Friday night. That's right. It's Friday night. Is it Friday? Friday? I don't know. Who cares, right? You're here. <laughs> We're about to talk turf grass. Maybe you have a cold beer in your hand, right? From my good friend, our good friend, Ray. You know who we have on here tonight? Our representative yeah. New Englander. The guy, the quintessential mass hole that we all know and love. And you know, if you're uh if you're a Tom Brady hater or you don't like the Red Sox or the Celtics or the Bruins, well this guy's gonna tell you just get the hell up on out of here, right? <laughs> and if you and if you yeah. don't like and if you don't like lush lawns, right? The the noun, not the person, right? Well, I guess the thing, not the person. If you don't like lush lawns, then you know, you can get the hell out of here too. But hey, let's bring on our friend, our good friend, Aaron from Lush Lawns. Aaron. Lush, Lushy, as we affectionately know you, how are you doing this evening? I am doing very well. How are you guys doing tonight? Well, I'll be know. honest with you. Ready great. to go? Yeah, you're ready to go. Got to right. get at least get third. Hey, fill it up Friday, right? Yep. There you go. Number one. Hey, let's do. Let, let, <laughs> hey, can we do a concurrent power hour and do the show at the same time? I don't know, but we're gonna find out. We, we, I thought we the after show would be a perfect power hour. Seek, oh, that we should be... seek legal advice before we do that on there. You know what? It's funny. Yes. It's funny. It's yeah. funny you mention this because uh, I had the distinct pleasure this past week to go up and actually visit Leshy. I was up uh, in Providence near his hometown and uh, got to go up there and, and speak at a big turf conference that they have up there to some of the fine sports turf folk. But I got to spend a good deal of time with Leshy. He picked me up from the airport. He dropped me off. He was a gracious host. Never, never mm. tried to lay a hand on me either. And I, it was very gentlemanly of him, I'll tell you, for <laughs> as, good as, as, as good as I look. I mean, look at me. Look at me. Did you resist But this? I did take you on four consecutive hot dates. We did. We seriously, our, our, <laughs> uh, rela- our relationship expanded very quickly uh, to many next levels. I mean, we started off at a white tablecloth restaurant. Our friend, our legal counsel, and the sponsor of our burner return podcast ray jesse bousquet joined us for dinner can you believe that ray oh man that would be the event okay that would be the event ryan i mean one day one day uh we will all be in the same place Mm. you know jesse bousquet included (laughs) it's true and one day actually after we had dinner the next day I get a bill for $750 in legal fees from Jesse Bousquet, but then it was a credit for $750 of turf grass advice. So everything canceled out. So it was a wash. Mm-hmm. But he still had to do it. You know, he's a lawyer. He likes to keep everything above board. So Jesse, seriously, though, thank you for coming out with us and hanging out. Thanks to, to Aaron for being a gracious host. He got to go visit with a bunch of people. And was it a good, uh, it was a really, really good time. Not as, uh, not as, this uh in the uh you know the imbibing part as you would expect uh, i played it safe i played it, <laughs> I, I did it was a good boy ray because i had to present on the last day that i was there so i tried to behave myself yeah see mm-hmm. now tonight uh, let, i've got a lot of, and let me say let me I, say though that was an excellent presentation because we saw some good ones and some bad ones yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, it's some it's something to be said. Uh, and if you ever, I will say this. Let me say this to the group: is that there are there are a number of really good educational talks that are out there, both online 
and in person. And I would highly encourage you, if you're really interested in this, to go check uh, that stuff out. We're we're actually doing one in Ohio here later in December. Uh, that's our state turf conference. I mean, you're going to have golf supers, sports field managers, lawn care folks, all that kind of stuff. But I think we're going to try and create something that is a little bit more friendly for homeowners to come in. But there is there is a ton of good information out there. And if you feel like you're going to be an outsider, you don't know what to do, you don't know how to dress, anything like don't don't worry about it. I would just say go and do it because that's some of the best education that you can get. Ray, there's a there's a video I, I found a long time ago of you floating around out there giving a talk at one of these things way back when, somewhere in uh, Honolulu, I think. You remember that? That was back in, yeah, 2010. 2010, that was like one... Gosh. That was like that was like one of my first times on the hot seat, and uh, as I recall back then, uh, after I got off the podium, then here's how it went. Uh, I got swarmed after I got off, and mm-hmm. people were basically following me around, asking me questions, and then in the days and months after. I'd be getting emails and phone calls with even more questions because essentially I kind of lit a fire under some people's asses. Yeah. I, I, I think that's the, the thing is that you'll have folks that go up there and uh, in, in what, what we experienced, what Lush is referring to is uh, there were some folks that were just going up there and kind of just reading their PowerPoint. And it was, it was a little bit rough. Like it, there, mm-hmm. there was not a lot of, context given or development of thought and that kind of stuff but all that said is that i think there's there's some good info out there for homeowners that want to learn right there's you know there's a certain amount you can take up through here and this is very conversational but sometimes it's good to get it direct from the researchers and go out there and ask some questions build some relationships and see what's going on so i highly encourage that you can't take education away from yourself after you get it even if it's good or bad unless you write you gotta have something this is to, true. You have to, this gotta is have true. something to com- compare the good stuff to. And while we're on that point, I really think that I'm gonna I'm gonna start plugging early and often for people to uh, become Patreon members. Uh, the amount of money that you spend and the amount of knowledge that you get with this group of guys that are on here is it's I mean it is so far in the good way for you. It's it's outrageous uh, when you when you sitting down and I was signing up for the courses and, and that's fine. It doesn't bother me. The, but some of the other courses that you could take were how to read and interpret a soil report. And it was a four hour class for, I think, $150. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you, you think, of, you think about how many times we're going to go over some soil reports tonight, but that you can even contact these guys separately and you'll get a private tutelage on your soil report for a fraction of that. And anything else. I mean, that was, it really is. I, I really do plug the Patreon and really think, I mean, you know, and again, you don't have to sign on to the premium. You can do the cheap one and that it'll still get you plenty of access. <laughs> Seriously, we appreciate that. And I think, you know, the, whatever you want to, if you want to call it, the, the value that's there or whatever. I mean, there is a, uh, to use and, and, and take one of Matt's terms, a metric fuck ton of intellectual property that exists on the JPink. Roughly, how many hours of content have we generated in the last like year or so? Roughly? Oh, I'd have to go do. Oh, come on, just ballpark it. Never mind. You get back to us. Get back to us. 
flashing them <laughs> on the screen or something. Okay. Yeah, calculate it out and then and then flash it. Yeah. Calculate so, it and flash that thing. There's two there's two cool things about that, right? Is that number one, uh, you know, you were one of our you're our second repeat guest, and we're very grateful that we've done this this long and kept you know kept it going uh for this long. And the reason I would attribute that to is that we are literally friends up here that just get to talk about our you know one of our favorite subjects death oh sorry i mean turf uh <laughs> on an on a regular basis that's right on a regular basis and like this is our outlet i know i know you know these guys both feel the same way matt can't join us tonight he is at work doing work things and making money and well nobody's going to fault him for that and here's another thing is like if he needs to go do that we're 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 very supportive of him doing that. It's just what it's yes. the show will go on and we're good. So, you know, the other thing too is just that uh it is difficult to uh and I'll 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 go ahead and gloat for a second and just say it's difficult to find three three people with the diversity and depth and length of experience and education that we have and commitment to this industry. And so to put us all together, it's it's pretty special. I feel special being a part of it. I'm glad that you're here tonight. And enough talking about us and carrying on. Uh, <laughs> even though we're four dates in, all right, I'm still not ready to commit. You know, we just you know we need to take. I'm playing the I'm playing the long game, Demay. I'll get a yeah. piece of it soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think we should see other people. So, all right. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow but, hey by other people you're gonna you're gonna be here every thursday night to watch me see all these other people that's it you know so <sighs> jealous I'm jealous already it hasn't even happened yeah i know all right so let's talk about you for folks that don't know you right maybe didn't maybe weren't watching the show a year ago when we were uh clumsy as hell flipping through this show and starting to figure things out take us through who are you? Where exactly are you from to the extent that you want to divulge? Uh, and uh, what do you do? How did you get here? Uh, well, we're in the southeastern Massachusetts. Uh, we're a small uh, lawn care uh, company. I run it with my son as well. He does uh, primarily does all the applications. Uh, he gets to listen to me, tell him what to go out, put out, and has to deal mm. with all the crazy stuff that these guys come up with that I have to then tell him what to do. Uh, which is great. Uh, <laughs> I have uh, made the long run through the landscape industry from doing hardscapes installations, running retail yards, selling hardscapes, design, installs, plantings, uh, and then running comp- help running companies that you know, anywhere 25, 30 guys in maintenance and construction. And then I decided to kind of come back home a little bit and got on and actually worked for my local municipality in the uh, water department now. Primarily, I was in the recreation department and maintaining uh, over a million square feet of uh, athletic fields. And I did that for about seven years. Um, And then I had an opportunity to go to the water department. And uh, we're doing that, but we're still running this business uh, and enjoying uh, making the grass grow. See? And and again, see uh, the story of the American dream, Ray. Oh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you can't get yeah, you can't get any better than that. I mean, you cannot get any better than that. I mean, yeah, and hours so, are I long, guess, but oh man, yeah, 
Well, and I think that's the that's the one thing that uh, is is noteworthy here, right? Is that uh, you know there's probably a you know a lot of people that had this start out as a side business, you know, a side hustle, and you know just through sheer determination, will, and uh, you know the desire to grow, not just the business, but grow themselves, so they had more skills. And I'm sure you know we'll talk a little bit about some of the services that you've added over the years, right, to continue to drive profit in the business right and so you can reinvest back into it and do cool stuff but uh yeah i think that's something that you know there's probably people we talked to uh big dog we talked to curtis here a few weeks ago right you know a guy guy that's had you know a career in a specific industry for a long time and here he is pushing the chips in and god bless him you know that's uh, that is the american dream guys like ray that you know said hey listen i'm gonna go out here and hang my own shingle so uh, lots, lots of respect for that. Lots of respect for people that are you know, trying to get a little bit better every day. So that being said, trying to get better, what, uh, you know, where you got a lot of issues that I'm sure that you deal with and, and come across right in those spaces out there in Southeastern mass, because it's a rocky acidic, uh, just cesspool of. I don't yeah, want to say terrible wasteland. soil, but it's there. There ain't a lot of good soil in there. <clears throat> no, I think I, I sent it, a picture to J Pink of of what our typical lawn looks like, and Shane's doing an application on it. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere, Matt Damon is saying we're going to science the shit out of your lawn care program. Right? That's now. right. Hundred percent. Yeah. A true another mass hole too. God bless him. Yep. So okay. So. You know, you go into you go into this situation, right, of taking on a new business and everything like that. What I just want to kind of take, you know, again, people that may not watch the show previously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, how take us through those first steps, those first days of learning and saying, Hey, guess what? I'm gonna go fertilize lawns and I'm gonna get paid to do it. You know, what were some of those trials and tribulations at first? And if you can nail down like maybe your two or three biggest leaps, like when I did this, when I you know, picked up, uh, you know, yard books or some type of online software. So yep. I don't know. What are those things that have made, have allowed you to make some gigantic leaps forward in the business? Uh, definitely purchasing a permagreen. Uh, I picked up a used permagreen and a, and a trailer combined. Uh, it was a great deal. Got it home. Get permagreen right here. Uh, links <laughs> in the description below. Um, <laughs> that, Look at that is thing. the brand. That's the brandy new one that just came in, sold by one and only Paul's Prime Cuts, who is also a uh, permagreen rep. If you'd like to get a hold of him, he'd be happy to sell you one. Uh, or Jay Weidrick. Yeah. But yeah, we just purchased that, which yeah. is very exciting. Because the old one, uh, let's say I got it out of the trailer, was driving around the driveway. Uh, that That's the new trailer. Uh, we've actually upgraded... Yeah, we've I've had walk behind aerators. Uh, the yellow walk behind stinger is new to us. The X mark in the back left is new to us as well. That's the old permagreen. She's going to get a complete overhaul, new transmission. Uh, I think I'm actually going to purchase a new motor for it uh, and go through and re redo everything in it and just rebuild it. Um, but I started out originally out of a pickup and push spreading everything and anything that was needed to be done chemically was done with a backpack sprayer just a pump backpack sprayer and walking every yard that i was doing uh Damn. trying to do that after work 
and try to get productivity done, you know, after working all day at the recreation department and then, you know, might have been out spraying fields, spraying fence lines, whatever it might have been. And then you go out and you're a little tired and you're trying to do the right thing and you don't get as many things done as you want. So purchasing mm-hmm. the permagreen allowed me to speed up a lot. It allowed me to kind of go out on like a Saturday morning and really crank through and get things done. I know to kind of raise dismay. Um, and actually, before the permagreen, I had bought a skid sprayer. I completely forgot. I bought a 50-gallon skid sprayer because that allowed me to up my chemical applications instead of walking around and having to refill that backpack every time, you know, and, and bringing jugs of water or borrowing it from a customer off the hose. I got the 50-gallon skid sprayer and was a, gave me a lot of ability to go out and do more work. Then went to the permagreen um, and just reinvesting back into the company and purchasing you know, a larger trailer from a little 10-foot enclosed to a 14-foot to then be able to carry more equipment around You know, when we're doing renovations. Uh, that, that's, that's really kind of what's really jumped the, you know, you mentioned yard book. That was very, very beneficial in the beginning because it allowed me to uh, be able to bill very easily. And it's actually a pretty good program where you can do managing, routing, uh, and it actually does way more than I do with it. And I need to, that's one thing I need to work on is actually get that up and going a little better. Okay. Well, no, I mean, I think All that's, right. <laughs> th- that's interesting. So uh, like, Ray, how does that jive with where you, I- I'm just curious for some perspective here. I mean, obviously it's a different time than when you, mm-hmm jumped in i mean are how much do you think things have changed is it more difficult to get in the game now because there's more competition or you know what uh, i'm just curious of how much how many parallels there are there and maybe some of the distinctions between the era that you got into it versus lushy okay when when i got into it uh there were some there were some things happening like for example uh when i got into it that was mid-2007, and here's where it got interesting, Ryan and Lushy. Uh-huh. By 2010, guess what happened? Wait 2010. On oh, yeah. I mean, 2010, 2010 was, it was already at the bottom in 2010, man. Like, what? No, 2000, <laughs> 2010. Is when what happened that was significant and meaningful in my region was MSME lost its residential lawn label and it was going to be restricted to golf courses, sod farms, and roadside weed control only. And the reason why that became significant is because. Any old chuck in a truck used to be able to <laughs> concoct a hot mix of MSME 6.0, maybe some three-way, and just go burn holes in the lawn. But can't do that anymore. But at that at that 2000 and by 2008 2009, I was already embracing the newer technology i was already embracing I, the newer tech <laughs> did you think that do you think that was a detriment like do you th- well and here's my question about that time right like 
you because of the way that you do things and and your your methods i think are very uh low risk low cost right in in that sense mm-hmm. where i think somebody that was highly leveraged and had a shit ton of equipment at that time was probably like oh shit there goes my customer base mm-hmm. and there goes all my payments for my stuff how did that land with you <laughs> well uh that didn't hurt too much because uh for example that is when as i said i embraced new technology and i thought my goodness uh this new stuff is excellent i mean it's it's enabling me to do things that i couldn't do before as far as the agronomic management of the lawn so it, it wasn't it wasn't a detriment to me at all, Ryan, because I just uh, ran with it. And of course, everybody else was saying, you're going to apply what to the Bermuda? <laughs> I said, yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's happening. <laughs> uh, yeah. The uh, the the sprig uh, weed control formula that you sent over the other day of that mix, I was like, okay. Yeah, this is uh, that's 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 pretty involved. So okay, now anyway, uh, so he, here's the reason that I ask these questions, right? And it's always good, you know. Here we are, right, in another situation where I, you know, I, not an economist, I'm not a, a fortune teller, but you know, things are getting tight, right, in terms of on the on the cost side of things, right? Maybe not necessarily on the demand side, but we're getting pushed on on the buying side, and so. I think this is a great time, right, to do what Lushy's doing, where he's investing in himself and his knowledge, right? You know, it's easy to go buy equipment. It's easy to say, ah, we're just going to go buy another spreader and we'll push through this. We'll we'll just get more clients and everything. But man, if you're using the wrong stuff and you don't understand what you're doing and you're losing clients or you're losing grass or whatever the case might be, there ain't a damn bit of thing you can do about that, right? <laughs> you still got to yeah. make those payments, but if you're investing in that knowledge and you're putting the time into the books, right. And never done learning, then you're going to be just fine. So I am anxious this year, especially with Lushy, because I think we covered a lot of really good ground last year and just, you know, kind of mirror what we did last year, but with a little bit more emphasis on, again, trying to be as efficient cost wise as we can be, because it's not like you can just go to your customers and say, well, guess what? It's going up 25% this year. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Yeah, they're they're going to they're going to tell you to go drag your balls across broken glass and get the fuck off their doorstep. I mean, that's just the way it is. (laughs) Right. So I think that is, uh, you know, a really, really crucial point as we go through this is understanding that. How can we how can be as efficient? And when I say that, meaning both in the labor side, because ain't nobody got labor coming out their ears right on the uh, product side to do exactly what we need to do nothing more nothing less right and finally try to realize what uh innovations and new technologies out there from a product standpoint that might help those efforts right even if it's a little bit more costly up front because it saves us on the back end in terms of you know fewer you know much fewer callbacks right which is ultimately going to cost us money and that's a double-edged sword too because not only is it costing us you know the time to go back out and do it but that's somebody else's lawn we could be treating or more business we could go be chasing down right so I, I'm really anxious to kind of get into those three points as we take this through. But let's start with 
those soil tests because this is where we kicked it off. This is where our uh, oh, this was this is where I got beat, run this, over. This was, yep, this was our uh, this is our menage a trois plus one. This oh. was, you know, this was hell week. <laughs> it, it was it was uh, which it was, pick which one? Go ahead, and throw up whatever one we'll, you got up there. We'll start with we'll just start page page one. Start with page one. Well, this time Matt's not here, so we can't do the Eiffel Tower with the giant standing behind us, unfortunately. But we'll try. I uh, I, I I threw a I threw a good one in there because you know I, I was hoping Matt was going to be here. And... <laughs> I'm looking. At this. Can we can we flash that picture up big real quick just so everybody can see it? Especially if you're a burner return fo- uh, uh, fan. <laughs> <laughs> this is the feeling of what it's like to be on the show when you've sent in so reports and that means your pH levels are low. Mm-hmm. Yep, Matt. I can, I can, I can see Matt screaming at the top of his lungs on the pair, and not because he's mad at you, but because they had to nair his chest so much to get that picture taken correctly. Yeah, he's in, he is in vicious well, pain. No, it's not even near. I mean, wax, hot wax. Oh okay? yeah, yeah. Or he, okay. or he took out a, a piece that a sec- piece, piece that on and, and and peel that son of a bitch off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with like a like a paint roller with a three quarter nap pulling that wax off, or he yep. may have taken a, a second mortgage on the house to afford the laser hair removal. We just don't know. All right, now getting <laughs> to the soil test thing here. Let's look at number one. All right, kind of go down through this now. If you have not been a part of this now, last year this was sort of the the impetus or the start of this the original uh, version of this program where we would just rip through soil tests, you know uh you know like it was uh, a beer bong at a frat house right ray like you would just yeah. go through one after another after another after another and at the end you know we'd all fall on the floor in a pile right so <laughs> this here uh is going to be i don't know how fast paced it'll be but we're going to look through these kind of give our feedback on what we see uh you know sort of with the numbers just the quantitative data here knowing nothing about it, or, or i don't know if we have do we have any pictures associated with these specific ones uh, this particular one no i don't because i think i sent some What's... but it, did, it didn't correspond okay next year next All right, year we'll, we'll have okay. unfortunately this is a renovation that we did on the right side um mm-hmm. and the lawn on the left probably had the same look over the original lawn that was there so this is something that's kind of come along quite nicely for them yeah looks good looks real good looks, looks All right, real so let's good. go back to let's go back to number one here all right, so Ray, anything jumping out at you here right off the top? You know, this is the one time where I'm looking at somebody's magnesium and it's on freaking the low out. side. Not freaking out. Yeah. Not really freaking out, okay. but I'm just, it's a little bit on the low side. And right off the bat, I'm thinking this property would be a candidate for one liming with dolomite lime and yep. then subsequent limings with high cal lime just to jack our pH uh, north of 5.5 <laughs> yep please so i'll give you know, i'll give you guys a little backstory this is a new customer that we got called in on um mm-hmm. he had a i think j pink i sent you a picture of the chinch bugs this guy had oh, chinch no. bugs which we oh, generally don't lovely. Get. There you go. So I found oh, this little yeah. guy. Lovely. 
And I found them without a soap flush. If that tells you how Damn. bad Damn. the infestation if, was. If you, if you can find them just by, you know, looking around in the lawn without having to soap flush or... Uh, did I tell you guys about the Chinese water torture method that I do was taught for taking up chinch bug? Please tell me. Okay. Cut the bottom off of a five-gallon bucket, right? Jam that bucket into the lawn and keep on filling uh, that yeah. bucket with water until the little bastards swim up to the top. And if they do start swimming, you know. <laughs> you know you got them. Well, yeah. That, that so, or just go ahead and spray it. Just go ahead and spray a pyrethroidin. Yeah, we we, yeah, we went in with we we went in and uh, hit it with Dialog. Awesome. We actually used the skid steer on that. We did uh, Dialog, and I think we actually used the Peter Oil with the permethrin uh, in it okay. as well. Mm, nice, spicy. So, <laughs> yeah, just wanted to spice it up a little bit. Spicy. And we used the uh, skid spray. And we put that out at we used the liquid Dialog. We went out at uh, two gallons per thousand. <laughs> Try to what, water it. it was, what, was yep. this person treating their lawn or doing anything in particular? I'm just curious that that phosphorus uh, might be in. Actually, had a yeah. had a company. Hmm. Had a lawn care company treating their lawn. Yeah, that and might have been. I they, was couldn't, say. they couldn't right. answer why the lawn was turning yellow. And I treat the lawn across the street, and he's like, well, his lawn's not turning yellow, so we got a phone call. So Mm -hmm. I come in, I look, I found the chinch bugs. All right, well, that's this. We'll do a soil test. We'll see what else is going on. I got the soil test back. Uh, So we actually went in and aerated, overseeded, um, and then we put also, when we got the test back, we applied 600 pounds of lime, and this is a 12,000-square-foot lawn. All right. So we really gave it a good whack to try to push it. Well, and I think that's something that my guess would be that this company was likely using starter fertilizer, right? Just because they felt like that's what they should do or something like that. Hard to say, right? But uh, it's that's a fairly high phosphorus number for a typical lawn care program that if somebody was running a, a zero phos uh, type program or something like that or you know the the low phosphorus programs that are and uh, fertilizers that Ray so dearly loves, so dearly <laughs> loves. Those are his favorites. Oh gosh, man! Now okay. I mean, we generally are high in phos. Uh huh. Okay. So we're because Massachusetts has a phosphorus ban, right? Um, so you're mm-hmm. not allowed to apply phosphorus unless you have a soil report that requires it, um, or you're seeding, or it comes from an organic mm-hmm. nature. So that's when we can use it. Got it. Yeah, I mean, wait a this, minute. This wait, go ahead. An organic base. Uh there's really not a lot of differentiation between phosphorus bound to a chemical base or an organic base, and so what that means is somebody can go eat bananas with the Milo, uh, yep. jack up their phosphorus further, uh, exacerbate their potassium deficiency, and in the end. Makes the lawn even more unbalanced. Sounds like yep, Ray is going to give testimony to the Massachusetts General Assembly. 
<laughs> do it. Do it. Yeah. All right. That was that. I think that one. Seriously, I think that's one in my mind. Like, I don't see anything major there. I'm not, you know, the the, the potassium number. You're going to chase that forever in a day. You're you're never going to get yeah. there. So, you know, I think just be mindful of that, right? And, uh, you know, no, we'll you need to add it. The fertilizer. Yeah, you need to add well, it. Gotta, I'm just we, saying, we, you're, yeah, yeah, you can add as much as you want, and you're never going to hit that number. So just keep adding it, keep it in the maintenance program, but don't get too worried about that. Worried number. about the numbers based on the numbers. Keep it in the program, but don't don't worry about. It. You're never. I mean, I don't see you ever getting to 170 sufficiency level here, which is all based on your uh, cation exchange anyway. So just just don't <laughs> worry about it. Okay, so I think this is one where you can shine. I think this one, you know, it's great that it's a new customer. There's not a whole lot wrong there, and I think that's one where you can kind of go show them the basics. Hey, here's what's wrong. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what you should see, right? And here's the plan. That's all anybody wants to know is, hey. I'm going to pay all this money, but what am I going to get? It's easy to sit there and put down, hey, I'm going to fertilize the lawn and I'm going to treat weeds and, you know, put that on your proposal and you send that to them. What the hell? They don't, they don't know any better, right? Tell them what it's going to look right. like at the end. Walk them through that and show them the science behind this. So, all right, let's look at number two. Let's see what we're getting here. Okay. This is page four, Lushy. I can, yep, uh -huh. I got it. Uh -huh. This is... All right, so this was an this was another new customer at the beginning of the year, um, yeah. and we actually it was nice to actually get a customer that, you know, the pH what you know the numbers I actually wanted to check to see if those numbers were reversed was it supposed to be a four point six, you know, huh. but you know <laughs> to have something come in at a six point four and and not need a you know a tractor trailer load of lime to pull up as I you know go to do their yard, it, it was it was nice. Um, we actually had to do a complete burn off of bent grass in this yard. They had a, quite a bit out in the front, and they also had a major crabgrass infestation on a spring hydro seeding. Because you both know, if it's hydro seeded, you don't have to water it. So, oh my right. god! Don't no, don't yeah. start with this me. Is, this... Do not start with <laughs> me, man. It, it is shit grinds so... my gears. Oh, hey, that's three I've heard in uh, three days. Ryan, guess <laughs> what? How I, how I came <laughs> up with that, you know, ghastly mix that you saw the other day in the Discord. Guess why I, I had was, to come up with that mix? Because somebody I had to messed it up. No, no, because I had to clean up after Hydra Seed jobs where they didn't make sure stuff was dead before they hydromulched in the zoysia sprigs and number mm. two okay standard operating procedure here in hawaii when you do sprig zoysia is when you sprig zoysia one of three things needs to be applied to that sprig area a week after you sprig number one oxidiazon on a golf or commercial install number two Okay, number two is simazine. Number three would be atrazine. Jeez. Yeah, but then okay. if you don't do that, if you don't do that, have that mix uh, ready to go about a month after you sprig because you're going to need it. Great. Uh, I'm just saying, that's... Uh, <laughs> 
I agree with that. And I think it's something that's lost, right? It's just, and I, I understand it from a, a lawn care perspective. You know, we do a lot of aeration and overseeds, right? We do, you know, some, I don't know how many, you know, how much of uh, guys out there that are watching are doing new installs, like what you showed in that first picture there, Lushy, of that lawn. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's, that, there's, there's a big trust factor there with the owner, right? That you got to turn them loose a little bit do all the right things in between when you come by whatever it is you know once every few days once every week once every few weeks whatever it is and that you know that's all the difference those first four weeks are absolutely critical you know uh on cool or warm season and yeah new new installs or a heavy renovation and they're a lot checking on them weekly at least if not up maybe not twice a week at least the drive-by walk through um watching the irrigation looking for dry spots and then communicating with them tell them hey you, you need to up it it's running too much you know? uh-oh shots fired now we got some <laughs> some hot rodder in a car out there backfiring oh i <laughs> broke up with this girlfriend across the street oh no i hate oh, you wanda no. i hate your guts <laughs> all right <laughs> so back so yeah I'll, I'll give them a lot of attention on a, on a heavy renovation or, or or brand new season. That's that, yeah. I agree uh, with this. I, I'm looking at the soil test. I mean, I, you know, a couple of things that uh, that jump out to me is, you know, yeah, you can you you continue to bump the potassium if that's what you're running on your program. Well, again, we'll talk about the fur that you're going to use this year. You know, you can probably get by with just a few less apps of that uh, that custom blend that you're you're going to be working with. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that sulfur number, I don't get too worked up about that, given the pH and where you're at. I don't think it's going to be a huge deal now, but I would monitor it in my mind. And the only other thing I'm going to say here is just with that CEC is no soil loading. Like, just don't sit there and, and load up with a whole bunch of stuff and expect it to, anything good to happen. Uh, quite the opposite here. So, you know, you're in good shape on the phosphorus. I don't know, Ray. Anything here that is uh, of of significance for you? Hardly. I mean, the only one that I'd be uh, considering is uh, this would be your candidate for your custom uh, ammonium sulfate, potassium sulfate type uh, fertilizer blend to up your sulfur levels and to uh, maintain your soil pH and your potassium levels. I mean, that's uh, that's basically all I do to it. and. This is, of course, the easy yard because uh, you don't have to bring the trailer load of lime. Right. Yeah. No need. I know. This is a nice one. What yeah, I mean, on a, a one, one to ten scale, what, what do you give this one, just visually? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> visually, this was probably a four. Because, like I four. said, the, the, it was a four, yes. It was. We, we went in and actually we got into it, feeding it late. Uh, they had had um the whole right hand side and down the back was all hydro seeded it was a spring seeding there was no follow care it was a contractor came in set the seed you know and then they walk away so what mm-hmm. takes over crabgrass there was, you you know there was no pre-emergent put down there was no tenacity no um no quinclorac nothing nothing so yeah it was just you know maybe maybe an initial shot once in a while, they put tenacity in, and that's rare. Um, and they just do it, and they leave it. And 
off it goes through the summer and it just all of their seed and i would say probably about eight thousand square feet of it out of fifteen thousand square feet just turned to complete crabgrass so mm, on yikes. the remainder we found a good portion of bent grass out in the front in the existing lawn so we went mm-hmm. through and did our uh, our our hot mix uh, for bent grass <laughs> and crabgrass which is uh sure power um pilex and queen clorax holy and shit go through yes oh yeah we, we, <laughs> i want it gone <laughs> well she was talking to me I, I, Lushy, yes. Yeah, Lushy I'm okay with a little me. collateral damage when I want to get rid of it. Uh, that, yeah, that, that, that's uh, that, that's past tippering. You might have to go to the free clinic after you do that one. Yeah, you know, well, that's um, uh, <laughs> it was built into called the a burn then a return. So that was okay. A burn then a return. <laughs> that that was that the right customer, there. Yeah, I I made her repeat on the side of her house. It's gonna look better. It's gonna look worse before it gets better. And she, you know, she kind of was like stopped and it's like, oh, okay, yeah. And I said, no, no, you need to repeat this. It's going to look worse before it gets better. Because I told her what mm-hmm. I was going to do. And I said, it's going to be bad. I just <laughs> want you to know that. Yeah. And and I think that's great of setting those expectations uh, early on with somebody. I think a lot of times, you know, it, you often see people that either don't want to, you know, risk losing the customer as well. Ah, you know what? Maybe, hopefully, that three way will clean it up, right? Or hopefully, I can just spray two four D by itself, and that'll clean it up. Uh, that's right. not. You got to know again, using your 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 products, your chemistries judiciously, and making sure of that. But I'm glad to hear that it's on its way, you know, to uh, the higher end of that one to ten scale. And you got to remember, <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's like George Carlin said, you know, I've never fertilized a ten, but I have fertilized five twos. So that's keep right. That in mind. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to the next one here real quick and see what we're working with here. Uh-huh. Ah, uh, this one. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. He, oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, not quite the not quite the trailer load of lime, but maybe some lime, you know, could be yep. indicated. And then of course he, well, uh, yep. Keep uh I he got there's a longtime customer whose original pH was around a, a four nine. Mm-hmm. So we so, have been slowly bringing it up. Just working on um, it. Yeah, just working it up. Just yes. Just yep. Year year so like, by year. Yeah. Bec- <laughs> trying to, I'm trying That's, to see what he got. He got how long July, ago he got take this over? Uh, it's probably been a few years. A couple of years we've got okay. this move. Okay. Uh, he got 425 pounds of domalinic lime in mm-hmm. the beginning part of the year, and then got 250 pounds of calcitic lime at the end of the year. So overall, he got about 40 pounds per thousand. You know, nice. and then we'll see what this season's soil report comes in at. You know, because this I this I pulled was in April. Nice, nice. So we'll see what comes back around. Well, this is just an example of slowly and gradually, you know, raising your pH because I'm going to guess that even though you're on a pH increase program, you you haven't aggravated or else created any kind of yellowing, right? Because I've seen that no, happen too, where in the hands of the wrong person, lime can actually turn grass yellow. 
Okay. And usually those are the people that I've had to tell, uh, I know this lawn is eventually going to need about a hundred to 150 pounds of lime. However, I don't think you were supposed to apply it all at once. <laughs> oh, maybe might have did it to one or two. Yeah, but then it was. But you no, know, we're putting it out in December, and we know we're mm-hmm. going to have four months before the grass is going to. You know, it's going to let. It's going to give it a good four months to, to work into the soil. Yeah, and, and you also have the advantage of winter because my understanding is is that when the snow melts. In the spring, all that water is a tremendous force for getting lime into the soil. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's it's left like a, a ton of water, and so and oh, and here's another good thing about that that amount of lime in the fall. Lime is not dependent on microbial activity to work its magic. It's strictly chemical, so. All it needs is that spring snow melt. That's all it needs. <laughs> That's all it needs. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. All right. So, and then I think on that, and then we have one more mm-hmm. real quick. And this is the guy that I sent you the where he works, Ryan. Oh, yeah. That's This is his lawn. Which isn't too bad. No. So he got two this apps. Is... He got a spring spring lime app at fifteen pounds per thousand of domolytic, and then got a fifteen in the fall of calcitic. I think. Hey, I think this mm-hmm. one pretty evident where you need to go with it. You know, if you can, fi- you know, uh, fixate on just using that again the custom product that we're going to talk about here in a minute. Focus on that. Again, sulfur number, not super worried about that right now. You know, pH, that's going to probably be your same program there where you're going dolomitic on one, you're going calcitic on the other one, and live with that. I think this is going to be one that is a maintenance-type situation. Uh, Again, where you're just kind of bumping things along. You hope to see a little bit of progress there on the soil pH, but it's not terrible at 5.8. It doesn't really, like, you know, get me all hot and bothered. I don't know, Ray, what do you think? No, that doesn't uh, that doesn't bother me too too much either. And actually, do you know what number I'm looking at? I'm actually looking more importantly at the calcium and the magnesium numbers, and I noticed that those are coming up because you see, the one thing that would alarm me is if the calcium and the magnesium levels themselves are like way but basement low because the way it was explained to me is that calcium and magnesium are actually essential plant nutrients. Okay. I remember one of my fertilizer reps telling me the importance of calcium and magnesium is not just for soil pH, but calcium and magnesium is an important nutrient within the plant itself. So I look at calcium and magnesium as something that you need in the soil in adequate amounts if you don't already got it there. I mean, uh, I'm sorry to my guys in uh, Arizona, Texas, and 
California who sometimes have too much of it. <laughs> as well, yeah, as well we, as that's friend, not our issue. As well as my friends in Hawaii, where we got too darn much of the stuff. <laughs> no, no, that's not a problem we have. We 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 can't put it out fast enough and and uh, hard mm-hmm. enough to get it out there. Uh, like you know, yep. we joke with the tractor trailer, but I uh, you know. Typically, we're putting out about a, a pallet to a pallet and a half of fertilizer. Um, this mm-hmm. last round, we put out 10 pallets of lime. You know, it's, it's yep. just a little bit of a ratio. Just to try to get through and get people caught up, people that have signed up. You know, we were at the end, if you were new, we were really trying to get a good push on. We did have some customers. We put 50, 75 pounds per thousand. I may mm-hmm. have one or two that we put. We put that 100 pounds down. Um <laughs> Push the envelope a little yeah. bit here or there, but not to all of them. But you know, just but his where it was that, indicated, gentleman, where it was indicated, yeah, right, well, Lushy? I mean, and yeah, that is they, they the wanted value. 150 pounds. But that's that's the that's the value, Lushy. I think of soil testing is then you can then go around and look at a lawn and know okay, it needs A, B, and C for sure. And once you do A, B, and C, you've basically eliminated or reduced the possibility that A, B, and C is actually what's causing the lawn's poor appearance. You kind of rule things out. You know, you make it simpler. And that is the power of soil testing because I get asked all the time, why isn't this grass growing? And my first question is, of course, uh, when is the last time this lawn has had a soil test done on it? Never. Never. So anything's possible, and I'm not so good that I can take one look at the soil and say, oh, it needs A, B, and C, and I'm right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that doesn't uh, happen. That is actually, <laughs> I know Ryan's brought it up a couple times. It's something new that I'm doing this year. Uh, for any new customer that calls, they mm-hmm. are, I tell them they have to do a soil test. That's part of mm-hmm. the estimate. I'll write mm-hmm. up and do the consultation, but I charge them for that soil test. So, and, and it's gotten rid of, especially right now, because I think a lot of people are getting prices in that have gone up and they're saying, well, mm-hmm. let's call someone else and see, see what we get. Yes. Getting a lot of tire kickers calling. Mm-hmm. And they, I have a lot of people that just, well, how much is it going to be? You know, do I have to pay sixty dollars for you to come out and do that? Well, yeah, that's how we know what how much it's going to be. You want to know? Yeah, I don't you want to know? I do a test. Mm-hmm. You know, I I can I can give you a, a ballpark estimate, but I, I'm guessing. You know, and yeah, that soil test will really narrow down what we're going to have to do. And that's exactly that's gotten rid of so for those guys that are new that are trying to get out there that they're going to get a lot of tire kickers people that are going to be calling mm-hmm. right now because. Prices are going up. Right, right. You see, that just, uh, I guess, narrows down your your customer base to mostly the serious customers where they're willing to get that soil test done and the the initial consultation. And those are the guys that are probably, they're serious about getting something done. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, yeah, because uh, I do something very similar in that i tell people before i proceed further 
there will be a soil test involved so that that way I know what I'm looking at and you have an explanation as to why. You know, why are we doing things differently from how they've been done all along? Why? <laughs> so, you know, it's it's good that you you do that and you know, Lushy, you brought up how your region or your area the tendency is for the soil to be naturally high in phosphorus. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be the case where I think a soil test is just should be almost mandatory before you even think about applying anything. I mean anything. And this is just thinking ahead and looking ahead in terms of what's coming down in the future regarding the government's position on lawns and lawn care. Mm-hmm. 100%. Right? Right? I mean, because right now, the states, various states, they see, okay, restrict phosphorus because the soil naturally has high levels. But phosphorus is not the only, you know, fugitive nutrient out in the environment. The other big right. one is is nitrogen. Mm-hmm. That's the other big one. And so, like, what I am going to tell you about nitrogen is, do you know why I get excited about a high pH or a low pH? Why? Uh, the reason... It has to do with nutrient use, correct? Yes, yes. It has to do everything to do with nutrient use and... If you have uh, excessively high pH or low pH, that then limits, for example, how well that grass responds to, say, even a nitrogen application. And the reason why this is important is because if the grass doesn't respond, then the natural tendency is, under normal circumstances, to keep cranking up the rate until you do get a response you know that is the new i think this is a, <laughs> i think this is a perfect segue to show you mm-hmm. the new fertilizer i had blended up and i gave mm-hmm. jp i think he's got the sheet i don't know if you've seen it yet right mm-hmm. yep here we uh, go uh, you know, i'm not 100 percent sure so which one of those, you want me to pull up that's okay that's all right okay. right now the one on the left Brandy new mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And the one in the middle was last year's. That was a 20 0 20. percent XTU nitrogen. Mm-hmm. And then it had mm-hmm. MOT because that's all I could get. That's and all you could get at the time. The old, that's all I could get at the time. You, you know, and then I had to, you know, I still got a bag or two kicking around of the mm-hmm. old Carbon X Pro over there. And you got to throw it in there always just because she's so pretty. But oh, I have a label yeah. I think I sent you. Mm-hmm. You got that label I sent you, J Pink? Yeah, throw it to you that, on the disc. Of the, yeah, the, yeah, I, the 2020 I sent you. There it is. This guy? So this, yep, this is what we had blended up. Okay, okay. I I see I see what it is. It's uh 
ammonium sulfate, a biosolid filler, some mesaline urea, some polycoat urea, and potassium sulfate. My goodness. Uh, because do you know what stands out to me on most of your soil tests? Uh, is that your soils tend to be pretty low in sulfur. And sulfur is actually a contributing nutrient regarding the color of the grass. And the reason why it's a contributing nutrient is because sulfur is the building block for amino acids within plants. And so without the sulfur, these plants can't make these amino acids, and that seriously compromises the plant's growth and development because that's basically a major deficiency. So I actually I kind of pay attention to sulfur levels and because when sulfur levels are inadequate, uh, the mistake to be made would be to feed that grass or those plants sulfur-free sources of nitrogen like say oh let me think like potassium nitrate or uh, urea or you know polycoat urea only mm -hmm. where i think you would get more out of say supplying some sulfur via ammonium sulfate or even potassium sulfate and that leads me to another point of discussion in that I'm not alarmed or concerned about you applying ammonium sulfate to your soils because you already have a plan to watch your pH and maintain your pH with liming. Mm -hmm. Okay, so because you're doing that, uh, I don't have any issues with supplying nitrogen via ammonium sulfate at all. Oh, this is the part no. I thought I was going to cry in because you're going to tell me I should return it all. <laughs> no, no. I mean, because, because the only time I've seen really horrible things happen to people is when they're not liming, right, Lushy? Yep, yeah, I'm and listening then, to you. And then... Because their soil pH is already so low, they're not getting nitrogen response. So what they proceed to do is they proceed to keep on applying that ammonium sulfate. In fact, I had to work with somebody where they legitimately drove their soil pH down to five. Oof. From and, and they were and they were supposed to be growing Bermuda grass on it. Oh, that's not good. And and the way they were doing that was because they kept on hammering it with ammonium sulfate, wondering why the grass wouldn't get green. I show trying to push up, it, trying to push it, trying to make it, uh, make it happen. Uh, where I come in and I lime that soil back up to pH six point five, grass goes green and stays green, and they can stop the uh, abusive fertilizer practices. Abusive fertilizer practices. Somebody should be investigated for that. All right, there should be a task force. <laughs> no, Lushy and I department. were just talking. No, Lushy and I were just talking about how 
when your soil pH is not in an acceptable range, what can happen under normal circumstances, like given, say, nitrogen fertilizers being inexpensive, the tendency would be to keep on applying more and more nitrogen, trying to get that grass to be green and growing versus addressing the pH. Yeah, I think, uh, well, okay. The The pH thing is always going to be something that you're, you're going to have to be very mindful of, you know, and I think especially in the age that we're in, with not only fertilizer restrictions, right, but also fertilizer costs, it would behoove mm-hmm. you to manipulate that to the extent possible that you can. And uh, again, given the volume of lime, the conversation that we had, Ray, I want to get your take on this. Uh, Lushy was looking at a eco lawn to potentially aid in his uh, lime applications because he, again, is throwing down uh, shit tons Mm-hmm. I believe that's the. I believe that's a U.S. standard measurement too. Not not the um, yeah, uh, yeah. metric metrics metric shit tons. Metric shit, shit tons. tons. Yeah. Okay. Lots and lots and lots of lime. So do you? <laughs> I, I've I've played around with that with compost. I don't know how it would do with pelletized lime, but any thoughts on on larger scale applications like that? Uh, you know, for me, uh, my only question would be. Can that machine be adjusted such that it consistently throws down 50 to 100 pounds of prilled lime per thousand square foot? Because I know that that Ecolon is made for throwing stuff like sand and screen compost, right? That's what it's made Mm -hmm. for. But I'm wondering how would it do with a, you know, pelletized or prilled lime and as i said my question is is can you close that thing down far enough so that it'll put down the 100 but not the 200 <laughs> right because yeah, 200 uh, would 200 would be a lot at once <laughs> oh. 200 would be plenty <laughs> yeah i mean you could make it snow in massachusetts in july if you wanted to right so mm. i don't know yeah you know, if we and, I, and, and honestly, I'd love to get it so that's at like you know fifty or fifty pounds per thousand would be a great application because it seems to be what the homeowner can stomach uh, from a cost. Um, and, and what you need to do in most get, cases, yeah. <laughs> and we can break it up. We can you know we can move it across. And not all of them are one hundred and fifty pounds per thousand. I know we show you some yeah. of the fun ones, mm-hmm. some some of the crazy ones. But then here's the thing that I'm thinking about too is. If you have an applicator that makes the job go faster, that is always, you know, an advantage. I mean, if, you know, at any time we're talking about applying some kind of material, if we can make the actual application part go faster, then it works out efficiency-wise for you too. And you don't have to tag along that cost or else even if you don't have to tag along that cost you don't have to think oh lord uh mr donnelly's law needs you know 200 pounds of lime oh my god i mean this is (laughs) this is going to be painful (laughs) you know (laughs) because yeah i've pushed 
a spreader, you know, a time or two. Never again. Never. Okay. Not doing it. Not pushing a spreader again. Not happening. <laughs> it's it's painful to ride a spreader and put out that kind of line when you when you have to do fifty pounds per thousand. Mm-hmm. It's it's three or four passes in low gear. It's not hard. Yeah. Enough. It's, but it's just, just tedious. Monotonous. Te- oh, tedious. tedious. It's not doing anything. So. Yeah, you got to ride across, you know, three or four times. I get it. And versus you have that self-propelled, you know, Ecolon, you know, machine, and you just steer it ac- across the lawn, one pass. Done. <laughs> Done. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think you do if you get that oh, though. You I have the opportunity. Take a moment to uh, shout out to Princess Cut Lawn Care. I don't know when I'll be making videos again. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, cool. Uh, the thing I was going to say: two things. Number one, on the uh, the uh, eco lawn thing, I think you have an opportunity there to do the uh, to sell the hundred and fifty pound plus for uh, you know application rate as the Scarface package. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, I know, might just need, get a separate need... trailer with Tony Montagna sitting there. That's death. what I'm saying. That's what we need. We need, yeah. Tony, we, need, we need Tony with his nose in the grass, you know, and his face covered yeah. in lime. That'd be perfect. <laughs> the second thing is, uh, if uh, Jay Pink, go ahead and throw that link up real quick. There's, uh, you know, uh, Turf Truth mentioned something in the chat, and this is a great article to kind of highlight, I think, what he or she or they are talking about where you know the the whole premise of of uh slow release fertilizers being challenged in terms of you know are we getting a prolonged response right from these products that claim to be slow release so you know they they mention it here as you go down here into the summary it that kind of summarizes it pretty well obviously because it's entitled the summary how about that uh you know you know where it talks about there's 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 a definite benefit Right. And in terms of, you know, the environmental issues, right, that come up in terms of, you know, uh, loading up soil before, you know, a big rainfall and we get, you know, uh, you know, nitrogen fertilizer that gets into stormwater systems and things like that. But if however, you go down there, however, yeah. on all but one occasion, read that next sentence on all but one occasion, both urea and ammonium sulfate were found to provide length and magnitude of a response equivalent to those of the slow release nitrogen sources used in this study. Now, and I will say this is that, you know, a lot of what you'll find in terms of literature on these particular products is, you know, or are these graphs that are produced by the manufacturers. And Ray, mm-hmm. there's always that caveat that's down there. Sometimes, sometimes it's in like eight point font. Sometimes it's like, you know, a little bit bigger, but it says at 68 degrees Fahrenheit. So again, 16, like they're showing you this, this perfect, mm-hmm. this perfect, mm-hmm. you know, bell mm-hmm. curve of all oh, look at it's getting you out to twelve weeks and it's fading out, right? It's fading out. And I'm not saying that it's it's wrong to have these in your program, right? Like, you know, they're, they're Ryan, obviously there's there's clearly a benefit add one, to a certain I gotta point add one, of that, but at, one more th- if cost is an issue. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. I gotta add one more thing to that. Sixty eight F soil temp, and and this is the the big one. And your soil pH is dead nuts between 6.5 and 7. If it is below that, your nitrogen response to the amount of nitrogen being released by that granule is negotiable. Your 
If your soil pH is over 7, likewise, nitrogen response to that granule is also negotiable. So, because I've, I've literally been on a job, right, where these poor people were diligently throwing out slow-release nitrogen, and they tried at bag rate. Then they tried at double bag rate, and in each case, all they got out of even the double bag rate application was maybe about two or three weeks worth of nitrogen response, and then the grass fell down again. And the reason why the grass reacted or responded that way is because their pH was out of range. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Puts the pH between that 6.5 and 7, and then the grass reacts more normally and predictably to a fertilizer application. Just like I that. Think, <laughs> I, I, th I think there's something there of, uh, again, if, if somebody had the capacity, and again, this, this is where, uh, you know, uh, Boy Meets Lawn is making a point here to say that, you know, basically, you know, frequent lower rate applications as a homeowner is no big deal. As a commercial lawn care applicator, that might not fly with what you're able to do from a capacity standpoint or a workflow standpoint. And, I I I wish would challenge folks is if you could split up those lawns right and understand the differences between, uh, you know, your irrigated lawns versus your unirrigated lawns, or in Lushy's case, like splitting up the ones that have pH problems versus the ones that don't. I get the geography is a thing. I get that you know again trying to be as tight and dynamic as you can be with your routes and everything like that. That is all important, and this is where it sort of gets lost in the wash when it comes to uh, lawn care. So. I, I, truth, truth, I hear what you're saying. I'm not saying that you are wrong. You all are wrong. I don't know. I, I think it's just one of those things of how do we get more efficient? I would love, I would love to have that conversation of how do we become more efficient from a workflow standpoint? So if you're on a golf course, even right. So if we're, if we're trying to use, you know, the least expensive nitrogen sources, right. But we're also trying to reduce applications because labor is a concern, right. How do we how do we factor in that variable within these response rates and try to find something uh, that's a little bit more you know a flatter curve right throughout the entire season if we can get that type of nitrogen response? I don't know. I haven't thought about it that much, but it's a question that lingers in my mind when we start talking about these things. Of okay, if not the slow release, then how do we make this work? So good. Okay, good questions, Ryan. Good food for thought. Go ahead. Okay, Ryan, and the reason why that research report has found that there's not much difference between slow release and conventional is, you know, when I'm working with a soil where there, the pH is between 6.5 and 7, mm -hmm. I get over four weeks of response from either ammonium sulfate or even non-stabilized urea. I get the duration, and the duration is of an acceptable length such that I don't feel the need to have to try to prolong it via coatings or other. Of course, uh, I am personally in favor of uh, the you know stabilizing denitrification inhibitors because yeah. they you know 
what they do for me under ideal conditions is they make a urea application literally hold for at least eight weeks. Yeah, and there's some work that's going on right now, as a matter of fact. And I'm just asking Kurf Truce in the chat if, if he or she may respond. But there is some work that's going on right now at Ohio State. I think it, it, the study was the, the, the grad student was in his first year last year looking at DCD compare DCD specifically and by itself against other commercially available uh, slow release fertilizers and I think urea as a control. And so basically making one application, then measuring response right through that entire period of, you know, I think they're going out. Uh, want to say 120 days right and still in mm-hmm. measuring uh tissue levels uh measuring soil nitrate levels and and just trying to look at a few of those different parameters to see what goes on so i i think it's interesting stuff and really it's where we need to go right uh from a, a research standpoint so all right yeah mr L- oh what's, what's this guy? oh boy leshy show the world show the world the best beer in uh did you go buy these special for me? I especially for you. I, you know, listen, hold on, we got to turn it. Narragansett, Narragansett, boys and girls, this is the beer, the beer, my neighbor of uh, <laughs> specifically Rhode Island, but you know, I, I've heard it. Can, you know, it, it it reaches out far and wide into New England. It's a it's a popular choice. Uh, it's it's been brought back. It's now a you know, a, a hipster beer that once was uh, the king. It fell by the wayside for a considerable period of time, and now it's back. I had my first Gansett, uh, as they're so affectionately known as there, uh, over this past week. And I have to say, it was pretty tasty. It was pretty tasty. The locals said that it would uh, lubricate my digestive tract in an unpleasant way, Ray, but I did not experience uh, those those side effects, and I was I was grateful for that. So I, uh, That's I, I because you were that. being a good boy. Uh, there was some of that and i just attribute to lots of practice as well so yes. uh i appreciate that and trying to understand where uh where people go and how they get drunk in uh new england it, it was really a, it was a trip back in time and forward too so all right <laughs> moving on let's see okay we we got to talk about the fertilizer let's see do we want to go through your specific program lushy or do you want to talk about grub control where Where's your head going uh, here? Uh, uh, well, I'm also, I'm, look, I'm looking at time too. What we want to grab? Uh, I, I I know grub control is uh, a good topic. Maybe to we'll we'll jump around a little bit. And uh, uh, I definitely want to talk. Con- definitely control to, that what? grub, yeah, <laughs> right there. All right, all right. Let's, let's listen. Listen. Let's talk about this. That is that is this is Lushy's form of red meat control. Okay. Hmm. So take a look, take a look at this about, uh, you know, this is a 35 ounce tomahawk and, uh, I actually had the stopwatch going on my phone. Now go ahead and post the the second picture all by himself, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, in 21 minutes and 30 seconds. If you're counting at home, that's 1.6 ounces of meat per minute. This guy (laughs) is a red meat eating champion. Do not get in his way. So uh, I'm very proud of him. And uh, we also, we had our, this is where we had our legal counsel, right? We had uh, Jesse Bousquet. Jesse Bousquet was there. 
We had Lushy uh, Jr. Our, there just in case I passed out due to uh, we know, did exhaustion. The vice, well, the, no, seriously, that's that's why the only reason I invited him to dinner actually is because he's the vice president of Lush Lawns, and if for yeah. some reason you became incapacitated, we were ready to swear him in as president of the company <laughs> so he could take yeah. on the duties, yep. right? And assume, I think when I went know, to the bathroom, Jesse Bouquet slid him the paperwork, and it was all filled out while I was gone. <laughs> Quite possibly so. Quite possibly so. I mean, that's, uh, you know, just, uh, I just know how that all those kind of things work. <laughs> yep. And uh, again, a fine eating performance. I would have expected nothing less. Okay, uh, a couple other things here. So let's let's talk about the grub control thing real quick. I think that's a good topic. And then I liked your I like the last one that you sent over. I would like to get into that a little bit. I think that's a little bit. Oh, of, I, uh, I I definitely I I do want to get into that one. That is okay. Uh... Okay, <laughs> it, it 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 spurred on uh, some good thoughts, and I make I want to make sure we talk about it. And uh, we're currently covering this so uh, in some other places. So. Okay, so the grub control thing. Where where are we at right now? Obviously, I think in Massachusetts, when is it? July one that neonics are so. going to be banned. Okay, so uh, not, neonics not entirely are, banned. A uh, rough. They're going to be a rough restricted use. Oh, they're going to be okay. And Massachusetts have, state you, restricted use. Yep, you're yep. going to need a restricted use license in which to get that. Okay, so not, 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 your, not your normal core, which then also takes it off the shelf for any homeowner. Mm-hmm. homeowners won't be able to go and buy that now i mean they could drive across the border to rhode island and go buy it and use it but they won't be doing it legally so that will be taking that off the shelf so i have been using a celebrant for a couple of years uh, but okay. i do know that there is a new product that has just been approved by massachusetts and i believe you've spoken about it a few times and i, I believe it's tetrino tetrino mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm and I just kind of wanted to touch base on um, pluses and minuses on either and timings of applications, because I know you started to sweat when I told you when I applied my Acelaprin app, um, which worked out well for me because I did it, I do it a little bit later. Uh, probably like the first week or two of June is when I'm putting it out. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's. Uh, I'll see if I can dig it up here real quick and find the actual data table. But you know, uh, so as far as let's just talk about the late application of a celebrant. I mean, uh, the good thing this year, this past year, 2021, if you made a late application, man, you hammered those army worms pretty good, and you had no problems whatsoever with those, right? Provided that you went. Yeah, the, we didn't. Uh, we didn't get any of those. Oh, okay. Well, here, <laughs> here. Here we I, was I was ready. I was ready. Here we were very fortunate. I, I'll find my picture real quick. I let, it's one of my favorite pictures I've ever taken of messed up turf grass. But anyway, uh, we, we do get a, a late. It seems like we're getting up here a very late season grub that is emerging and showing its head. Probably the ends of October is when it really seems to really show its damage. Mid to late October is when it's popping up. I think it might be the chafer. Yeah. Okay. So we have a lot of brown uh, chafer. Okay. Has anybody ID'd it? Like, has anybody? What we need you to do is we need to educate you on raster patterns so that you can go out and ID that bad boy real quick. I'll send you the, the only reason I know chart. about the the uh, that we have so many chafers is because we would find them in the pools when I was at the rack. I was also uh-huh. in charge of the pools, 
So we would find them in the skimmer baskets. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Lovely. Lovely. Oh, here's so that was our capture technique. Compliments. Well, that's just this. That's your sampling technique is just see what yep. flies into the skimmer baskets. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. You just sort them Yikes. out and say, oh, oh, that's a beetle. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. That, that's I, a I mean, chaser. I, well, and so that's the thing is like being able to ID these is crucial, right? So you can understand a little bit of how those life cycles differ, right? From place to place. Mm-hmm. What happens here in the Midwest may not happen quite the same up there. So the raster pattern, if you're not aware, right? And you're following along at home. This is on the hind end of your grub, and again, mm-hmm. the way that these little hairs are uh, uh, and markings are here. Mm-hmm. the hairs and the markings that uh, basically is the ID of it, and uh... so the the other thing too to make to make people aware of on grubs is this: is that you know uh, a, a healthy dense stand of turf grass can actually withstand a decent amount of grub activity before it becomes what we can say commercially damaging right to where you would see effects up on the surface right so typically the number that is commonly used both in research and uh, extension is 10 grubs per square foot so once we see 10 or more grubs per square foot typically is when we're going to see damage on the surface that could be uh, commercially you know commercially affecting uh, that turf grass and so it's good to know where you know some of these trigger areas are so you know, typically, year over year, uh, it, it would be a good thing you know, if you have lawns that have higher pressure. Mushy is I would map those areas out, right? So you can go back and check those year over year. You know, generally speaking, you're going to find them. You know, again on the south facing slopes, you're going to find them in areas that are a little bit warmer over winter time. Things of that nature, they'll find those areas and and go in there. Um, you know, understanding those patterns of when they're you know when they're emerging, when they're feeding, everything like that. That's all good stuff to know, but. I think the the advantage here of using a diamide insecticide like a celeprin, like Petrino, is that that mitigates a lot of that risk, right? So again, uh, don't feel like, and again, this is for folks at home too, you know, if you're using the uh, new version of the GrubX product, right, that you can pick up at any big box store, also has chlorantranilopril, right, same active ingredient that's in the celeprin. And so I think that's really, if uh, you know, it's funny is, you know, you're driving down the neighborhoods here in the suburbs and looking at different lawns, and it was almost like you could tell the people that took care of their own lawns and really took pride in it and probably put GrubX out on their lawns had no armyworm damage, right? You know, so that AI, that diamide saved their butts. So going forward and looking at your situation here, uh, the, the, the June timing does not concern me as much. I mean, there is a study... And I, I'm not going to try and dig it up right now, but uh, Oklahoma State did this work, gosh, oh, uh, probably 10 or so years ago, where they were trying like late, late applications of uh, Celeprin just to see what would happen, right? So I think they make some apps in like June and even in July to see what happened. And they were they were uh, right around, I think the, the uh, lowest efficacy rating they had was about 88, 89% maybe on some of those apps. So again, you know, let's just say that, you know, you have 10, 12% breakthrough. I don't know that you're going to get into a situation where that's uh, commercially damaging, right? That you're going right. to reach that threshold. But it's also and good we to had, scout those things out. We, we, had, a, we had a big problem. Uh, guys that were using Merit, they lost their efficacy because of the amount of rain we had. So mm-hmm. we had mm-hmm. a tremendously wet summer 
And a lot of guys that were using that merit did have started to you just driving along. You just saw you could see it in lawns that, you know, were being taken care of by someone. And you, you know, uh, and it's good. I get to look at the recreational fields that you know, I still know what they're using. And I know they were using merit and they had they lost control in some areas in a, in fields that they normally wouldn't where prior they did have problems because they weren't using any product. Um, and it was, I think we, we lucked out maybe having a little later application due to the amount of wet, wet weather we had. But, you know, again, the, I know the Detrino is designed to go out a little bit later, but I, I mean, I can also put the Acelaprane in a little earlier. I can put it in the round before in May. I, I, and I'm not sure that you're necessarily losing anything. If you haven't, have you ever seen, breakthrough to the point where you've had to make a curative treatment uh once once and she was a non-irrigated lawn and i don't know if she watered it in correctly uh <laughs> and that's the that's, time that and that's the other thing too is that you and you do have a lot more leeway with the diamides right more so than you did with the neonics because i can't right. remember strictly ray, ray help me out here is it like the 24 or 48 hours that those need to be in before they start to photodegradate okay the merit or imidacloprid yeah. Photo degradates within starts photo degradating within twenty four hours, whereas the chlorantranilaprol or the diamides like the tetrino and the uh, acilaprin, you've literally got more than seven days before you need to water it in. However, mm-hmm. I still would want it watered in as afp, so then that way. Mowing, etc., does not move the product around. I still yeah, want it watered you, in before it get for the further grass gets cut. <laughs> can you uh, and with that if put that if the door Yeah, <laughs> put that extra up in there. So yeah. hey, if they, yeah, please. <laughs> I got a question for you. Uh, so if mm-hmm. it hasn't rained and that product has been put out, and they need to mow, should they just mulch it? Yes. Totally, totally mulch Keep it. Everything there. Don't, don't suck it up. Don't suck no. it up. Don't don't move it. I mean, that's uh, that's basically kind of why, in order to simplify things and to get maximum efficacy out of the application, ideally, no matter what you apply, it's ideal to water before the next mowing. You know, just get it watered before the next time they're going to mow. And uh, it's not only from the standpoint of product efficacy, it's also a matter of product exposure. Because, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, EPA mm-hmm. is wants to take away sprayed applications of clothianidin thymethoxin, and imidacloprid on residential turf. They want to take that away. At least that. Uh, I've, I've heard significantly more uh, restrictions coming to the label. Because, you, because here's yeah. the thing, is that right now, I spray merit on lawns, right? But the mm-hmm. rule is, is that after I spray it, I am triggering each zone of that irrigation system until the whole thing is watered in and I don't leave until it is watered in. I don't go anywhere until it is actually watered in. 
No, and I think there's something to be said for, again, that 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 is a, such a critical component of a proper application, right? That again, mm-hmm. you are ceding much of the control to either Mother Nature or the homeowner to get done right, and they can play a significant role. That being said, you know, just getting it raw, you know, rinsed off the leaf down to the soil after that, you know, you're good, you're fine, no big deal. But I definitely would, you know, those those uh, post app instructions, I think, would be you know a helpful thing to add into. You know, whatever whatever kind of email follow up or whatever that you get. Hey, you just had your job application. You know, if you can, please water within 24 hours. If you know, don't mow within um, you know 24 hours. And then, if you do mow any time after that before rainfall, if you're not irrigated, please don't bag the clippings. Right. Make sure that they blow the clippings off their sidewalks. Make sure that you know. So again, trying to eliminate or uh, mitigate some of those off-target effects that might occur if they blow all that stuff out in the street, ends up in a storm drain, and then we're catching the rat for it. Okay, real quick, let's talk yeah. about Trino. So, again, we had uh, there's a great discussion on the turf uh turfology episode of this from back in December or whenever that was. And, you know, essentially it's this is it's in the same class of chemistry as what celeprin is. However, uh, you know, a few things. The timing of it is later, so it's more around a traditional timing that you would normally put out on a metacloprid app which, you know, here in the Midwest and in your part of the country is going to be in that, like, Father's Day window, I would say, you know, a couple mm-hmm. weeks on either side of Father's Day, depending on where you're at. And given that scenario, right, it fits in a little bit better with some people's rounds and how they're set up, right? So I could see that being a more efficacious product, right, if people want to get into it. The other nice thing, too, as a pro, is that it is uh, a little bit cheaper. You know, so you're talking on the order of... Uh, They've gone up through some price increases here on both products. I want to say it's somewhere between forty and fifty dollars an acre, right? So you know, a buck a thousand, right? That's nothing to nothing to sneeze at. Sneeze at, but that's mm-hmm. that's cheaper than a celeprin. I mean, it is cheaper. Yeah. Than, it, now the other yeah. thing, and this is for folks that use it on, you know, use these products on fertilizer, right? As a combo product, is that right now and probably until maybe twenty twenty four. You will not be able to get Petrino on a prill, right? That's not possible right now, uh, given you know a, a, a number of different factors. But so that all being said, it's a good thing to, if you're already spraying and you want to save a little bit of money, still use a diamide. Uh, it's it's a good option to take a look at. I'm not shilling for either one. I've seen you know really good luck. J Pink, throw that picture up real quick. I love this picture. That's a Celeprin. Treated on the left, untreated on the right versus army worms. That's the eight ounce rate sprayed about uh first of May or so. And boy howdy, if there's not a uh, product efficacy picture that you want to take a look at, that's it right there. So and again, uh it, it, it just shows what proper chemistry can do. Is it cheap? No. Is it effective on you know on these pests in particular? Yeah. And so uh I think that's one thing that we'll see a lot of changes in lawn care programs and I hope that people can uh, adapt to this, right? It's a much safer, uh, a much safer product, right? doesn't carry a, a signal word, right? It's got a, uh, a, a LD 50 that is off the charts high, which is good, mm-hmm. right? Low, I should how say. Did, how does uh Tetrino compare as far as signal words? As I actually haven't looked and the, the LD 50. I have not looked at the label, but I'll double check it real quick here. And does that still fall into the same uh, 
context of being B friendly like the Acelda print is. Yeah, so, I, be- I believe it is. I, it, it is. It is B friendly. And I have one more little note on a B friendly lawn. A B friendly lawn is a lawn that does not have weeds, blooming broadleaf weeds in it. Okay. That is your B friendly lawn because. I get asked that question too because I use imidacloprid on turf grass, right? And my my answer is is that the bees have zero interest in this lawn because there are no blooming broadleaf weeds in it. It's, you know, and furthermore, if you water your merit imidacloprid in, that further reduces exposure to bees and other pollinators because it's no longer on the foliage. It's in the soil where it belongs. Right. Uh, So let's see here. Uh, That's actually not bad. Okay, so it does carry a signal word of caution, and Mm -hmm. it's, it's acute oral LD50. Right, which is what we report and talk about is you know greater than five milli- five thousand milligrams per kilogram of body weight on uh, tetram nilapril is uh, greater than two thousand milligrams. So it's it's a little bit hotter, right? It's it's almost uh, what one and a half times, right? So uh, just uh, you know, don't drink it, Lushy. Okay, I know that Tony Montana <laughs> stick, wants to wants to stick with the gansets. Stick with the gansets. Yeah, stick. Sure. Stick to the Gansets, I think. I mean, that would be the safest bet, uh, but not this. But even 2,000 milligrams per kilogram, that's like a, a lot. Because, yeah, because, a keg of it. Yeah, because I go back to the days where, yeah, you know, 50 or 100 milligrams per kilogram of something will definitely put you in the grave. Yeah, this isn't the old days of, uh, you know, Benelate and uh, Chipko 1991 and, you know, cadmium fundicides and all that other good stuff, right? I mean, all that, those all are that the other, good old days. Uh, <laughs> yeah, super good days. I mean, where, hey, season-long one, control. Yeah, one no, wait a, up a year. <laughs> yeah, season-long control, I mean... Uh, your snow mold application is the reason why the lawn doesn't get dollar spot in the summer. Yeah. I mean, that would be, that would be the, the, the caddy or the Tursan OM, right? Yeah. So I, I we've moved beyond that. We've moved be- I, way beyond then. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a miracle that some people live through that. I remember uh, the old man, I think I've told this story before, but the old man at the first golf course I worked at that would mix up, you know, some of that stuff, the, the heavy metal stuff was gone at this point, but. There's still some pretty rough stuff out there, and that guy would eat an mm-hmm. apple while he's mixing up and you know cutting bags of dry flowable dacanol in, and just you know, <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. I mean, listen, the guy lived till he was like 86. I mean, he he, he lived a good life. You know, I think the dacanol... and he had the best looking toes, not one ounce of fo- foot fungus to be seen anywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> him, him and John Madden never met off the football field. No, no John was no, a, no. a podiatrist apparently. So okay, uh, what else? What else on the on the grub control thing? I want to make sure we answer all your questions. I <laughs> know oh, that was. I think that I think that covered it up. 
Uh, we went over options timing. I mean, that pretty much sums it up with that. Uh, and good, then but... your favorite topic, I think, I is what we have time topic. left for. That's yeah, your favorite. <laughs> you know you're excited. I mean, hey, I, you know, I, I, like, I like to get it wet if I can. No, I actually, I, 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 I feel better this this time. I actually had pre-show notes, and <laughs> you were. I'll tell you what. This, 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 seriously, this is no joke. Now, you, you all don't know this, but I do, and I'll share with you real quick. You know, Lushy's texting me last night. I'm, I'm, I'm literally in uh, travel hell. I am planes, trains, and automobiles trying to get from Providence back home to Columbus, and ended up having to fly to Cleveland and get into the hotel at like three o'clock in the morning only to have to get picked up. Like it was, it was a nightmare, but it, it, I'm texting like furiously texting back and forth with Lushia who's preparing. Like he's got, you know, his ACT the next day. Right. And he's trying to get a 30. Yeah. So he, he put the work in, he put the work in, man. So mm-hmm. it definitely, uh, it definitely is worth it shows. the, it, it it's, shows. it's been worth the effort. It's been worth the effort. So okay, now let's talk about what you you bring it up. What are, what are we talking about here? So, uh, J Pink, I sent you some pictures of uh, the little yellow scales there with water in them. You find those? Uh, you did, but they were buried in all the other stuff, and I forgot. Uh, one second. Best producer in the business. You'll get it. So uh, the reason I bring that up, but these are what I hand out to customers for irrigation. Uh, and I know we've talked a lot about it. How much water do we need to put down? Uh, how often do we need to put down? Mm-hmm. So these are some of the tools I give my customers that, you know, they ask me, well, how long should I run my zone? You know, how long should my system run? And I say, all right, well, at least you want to do a watering with at least a half an inch. I'll give them three or four of these. Say, here you go, put these in the yard and go around and calibrate your system mm-hmm. this was a system that this heart this is a friend of mine who is a hardscaper um who put kind of his homemade system in he had in this little yard had to run his lawn for 45 minutes to get a half an inch of water so i said Jeez. well it works but not great heard that now you know <laughs> it, <laughs> <laughs> i said at least you know how much you need to go in my discussions with Ryan is, all right, now, how do I know when it needs the water? And I know we've talked about dew points. Uh, we've talked about evapotranspiration, the amount of water that's pushing through the plant. And, and how do you balance all this information to be able to give the customer mm. or as a homeowner the right amount of water to go down, not the, well, just water deep and infrequent, do you know, two or three waterings for 20 minutes or whatever it might be, you know, and, and try to give them more educated information versus just a rule of thumb. Right. No, I, I think that's, that's good. So let me see if I can pull this out of here. And if I can't, then I'll put, okay. So real quick, let's, uh, so the, the question is, I guess, or the, the topic is really what, uh, through what methods and means should we, instruct customers on how to water appropriately given the uh the current soil conditions and the impending weather is that fair to say correct okay okay obviously a tough one and i'm sure that you know you probably get an ass load of questions related to this topic and it's a huge important topic right i mean uh 
Ray, uh, I would <laughs> venture to say that uh, water, either the lack thereof or uh, the excess amount of water, would be, you know, if we were going to look at, you know, like the uh, number one killers of humans, you know, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, all that kind of stuff, water might be number one. I think the number yeah. one reason that turf shits the bed and dies. It either dies or it becomes unmaintainable. One of the one of the two factors because you know okay. just enough water. Just enough water. And what Ryan said about how much water to keep up with evapotranspiration. That is something that I'm constantly mindful of because what I typically tell people is whatever money you save on water during the winter months, I hope you have that money for the summer up until about November or December because from about April till November at least here in my area, you are going to be irrigating up to three quarters of an inch to an inch of water per week. Agreed. Mm -hmm. It is, it is no joke that you, you know, those, those numbers can fluctuate, but for those of you playing along at home and you customers out there of lush lawns that are probably watching this after the fact and saying, this guy is so darn smart. It's so good looking. And <laughs> gosh, am I glad that he's my lawn care provider? <laughs> Call me lawn boy. Hey, Call, yeah, call me a lawn boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we said. Actually, we said that at the turf show that uh, Lushy's calling card, Ray, should be that they only they only do their apps and assless chaps that are like branded, like they've got, you know, all the Lush lawn stickers and everything all over them. Okay. As long as I got my field to a Speedo. Oh, yeah. Banana hammock for sure. <laughs> you know, it's, it's either, yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's either going to, we have two sizes. We have, well, three sizes. We've got, uh, number one, the banana hammock. Then we go on one side of it and we've got the, uh, mini corn dog hammock. And then just for Telly Coleman, we've got the Python cage. That's the other one. It's a little bit difficult <laughs> to get on and wear, but you know, you do what you got to do. All right. So let's talk about ways that we can quantify how much to water and when to water. Okay. So this, you know, there's a variety of different ways. Let's just talk about why and how. All right. So J Pink, go ahead and throw up that first photo that I sent you real quick. All right. So you mentioned the premise and the topic of evapotranspiration. Okay. Ray, would you please use this diagram here to quickly explain what evapotranspiration is and how precipitation fits into that paradigm? All right, evapotranspiration is literally the combined effect of evaporation from soil and the plant transpiring or utilizing water. Because you see, plants, they take up water, and part of that water gets used to be reacted with the carbon dioxide in air to create sugars and carbohydrates. Other part of that water is also used, believe it or not, for plant cooling. So, essentially, 
the plant is essentially taking up water and utilizing it all while a significant amount of the water can also be evaporating from the soil. So okay. the amount the amount of water that uh, you then need to replace is what we refer to in the business as ET, evapotranspiration right. rate. ET, right. I mean, it's not the movie. It's not the movie. When I say ET, I'm talking about the, the evapotranspiration rate or the amount of water that I need to apply per week to maintain physiological function of the grass. <laughs> Correct. So a, a couple of things related to this. So uh, ET is expressed, it's a, it's a quantifiable number. So just as you would measure rainfall in terms of, hey, you know, we got a quarter of an inch of rain or 0 0.25 inches of rain, right? We express ET as a deficit or a departure, right, from what we should have in the soil, right, for a healthy plant. And this is based on uh, a crop coefficient. What a crop coefficient means is that uh, so corn needs more water than soybeans because there's more biomass, right? More green tissue. And conversely, grass has less tissue than both of those plants. So its crop coefficient is different. Now, the thing that, uh, is not super well-defined, like we've got some good models for cool and warm season that are, that are okay, right? That we can use, and you know, maybe even better than okay. However, uh, what we've, what we've learned here over the last, you know, several years of really looking at water use and drought and things like that is that, uh, you know, a lot of what has been recommended for years, right. We're finding that we can achieve uh, healthy turf grass at levels of 50% ET in some cases. Right. So that tells us that, okay, is, does that mean that w that's really where it's at or is our crop coefficient not right? So actually a lot of this work, fortunately for you, Right, and especially in the uh, eastern half of the United States, is actually taking place at none other than UMass Amherst. Right, so Dr. Michelle Costa, uh, Costa and her labs—they're they're doing uh, a ton of work on uh, water use and turf grass. Minnesota's also doing quite a bit too. Uh, so good resources to have for you. And there's actually a paper that came out. I remember reading it here. Uh, I tried to search for it quickly, but couldn't pull it up. But uh, where there was a, a grad student from uh, Michelle's lab that was actually working on crop coefficients for specific turf types of so tall fescue, Kentucky bluegrass, perennial ryegrass in New England, right? So that would mm -hmm. be useful information for you to understand that and maybe what some of the differences are there. All right, so this number gets expressed as a uh, a, a quantifiable number, right? So J. Pink, real quick, can you flip over to that next photo, real quick? All right, so here are the factors that go into determining evapotranspiration, right? So wind, right? So if we have more wind, it's going to pull more water or more moisture out of the soil, okay? Solar radiation, same thing. It's going to heat up the soil and evaporate. Temperature, same thing, a function of uh, evaporation as well. And then finally, humidity, right? So for humidity's up, right, that's going to be less moisture that's leaving the soil itself. Now, this doesn't account for what Ray talked about, which is the process of transpiration, which is how uh, grass plants consume water and also cool themselves, okay? So all this being said, right, we get to a point where we then have to calculate what we should do, right? So let me send you this link real quick. J-Pink. Uh, hang on. 
There we go. Okay. Send this and this. Here we go. All right. So, again, uh, unless you are fortunate to live in uh, the greatest area of the country, New England, right? Uh, home of the dom most dominant sports teams in all of America. And also this fantastic resource from uh, Cornell University, right, where they pull over 200 sites across New England together to figure out a lot of different things. This is a fantastic resource if you're in the Northeast to use for a variety of different things, and we'll kind of go through a few of them here real quick. But the first thing is, uh, you know, a potential an evapotranspiration, right? So this is giving you sort of a range of about where you're at week over week, uh, and you can kind of look at this. Uh, there's another part of the site, though, that I want to see if I can pull up. And I'm not sure. Ah, here we go. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to send you this one here to J Pink. This is a good one. Boom. No, it took the same thing, but why is it showing me different? Hang on. Technical. Click that link, J Pink, and see if it's any different. Same thing. Yeah, here we go. Okay, so go to uh, irrigation information. So this has a bunch of really cool graphs on it. So go to like moisture deficit. Uh, there you go. So total precipitation. So this is giving you precipitation minus, right? So this is where if you are getting rain, it's it's actually factoring that in and then giving you back essentially what your ET is. So these are good maps. These are things that you can send out to customers and say, hey, like it's particularly dry right now or it's particularly wet right now. You can pull these down. These are always in real time. There's also some really cool things in here. Uh, click on turf and weed development. Sort of off topic, but we'll go down this rabbit hole real quick. Uh, slide up left-hand column. There you go. Data line recommendations, seed head stuff. You got a lot of good things in here that you can click on and use and show uh, other folks, right? Disease risk is in there. So look at that. So uh, lots of None. good stuff. I, I, I trust this website far more than I trust some of the other commercially available websites. All right, so now these these customers have sort of a range, right, of, oh, hey, like it looks like we lost about a quarter inch last week. What do we do? Okay. So I'm going to send this over. This is something that we use to talk about it in professional turf grass management. But we can sort of apply the same principles into a lawn care program. All right. Jay Pink, throw that one up real quick, and we'll run through this. All right. So, you know, here is sort of our decision-making hierarchy. And, Ray, you can agree or disagree, as far as you know, if you want to back up a little bit. There you go. Nice. Excellent. All right. So if we start at the top, right, of Zappo Transpiration, this is going to be sort of our guidepost. So let's just say that, hey, over the last week, we've lost, you know, 0.48 inches, right? We're at negative four, you know, uh, 0.48 on our ET. Okay. So, you know, the first things that we want to look at, right, is what is our existing turf conditions? Even though we're at, you know, whatever, just say half an inch, right, of ET over the last seven days, it hasn't rained. What are our turf conditions like? Is it dry? Is it still looking good, right? Evaluate our turf conditions first before we decide that we're going to water necessarily. Okay. You know, can't just go off of numbers. We have to go off of how things look because there are site specific variables that may or may not. Uh, lend to turf grass being able to withstand longer periods, right, of uh, no rainfall, right, or no irrigation. So the next thing that we look at after we look at existing turf conditions would be anticipated weather conditions, right? And you can make a quick video to walk through this. I will even show you how 
And you should know how already because you attended my seminar and saw me talk about Loom. <laughs> so you can make a quick Loom video, send that out to everybody. We'll hear your warm, soft voice on that gaming <laughs> microphone that you have attached to your face right now, and they will love you for it. Okay. But anticipated weather conditions, another thing, right? So let's just say that, Ray, we're, uh, you know, we just had rainfall a couple of days ago. It looks a little bit dry, but then we've got some more rain coming in. We might look at the forecast and say, oh, you know what? The ET is telling me I probably should water today, but it's going to rain, you know, another day from now. So waiting another day, eh, maybe not the end of the world if I let it go for one more day before we get some rainfall. And this is where, you know, you start to gain ground on water use and water consumption if you can make these decisions. Now, I understand that there's a lot going into this, right? Much more than most homeowners are willing to put in. But the question for them would be, you know, if you want to set it and forget it, fine. But you're running the risk of, you know, number one, wasting a lot of water. Two, potentially uh, putting at risk uh, a lot of turf that they pay a significant amount of money to have maintained correctly. And through no fault of your own, is that going to be compromised with too much or too little water? And finally, right, the idea that, you know, why why would we do something that we don't need to do when we don't need to do it? Would that, would that apply to anything else in their life? Would you just say, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been a little cold, right? It's a little bit, it's been a little bit cold outside. So I'm going to leave the sink on tonight and run the water so the pipes don't freeze. Just because. Exactly. Because I want to. Just because. Yeah. Just because and it's Tuesday and I, I fill I fill my car up on Tuesday and I just pump the I put ten dollars in and I pumped I pump and it just pours on the ground. That's okay. Yeah, no, that's okay. It's the, that's okay. It's the same thing. Thursday like, night. If you, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. If you don't need it, you don't need it. And there is something on this uh on this slide here, Ryan, that I hammer on. And you know what that is? Distribution uniformity. I uh-huh. thought it was from this. No, oh, so that's, that, that's one thing I did not go into on down here. Okay. This is more this is more for if you're getting into some high end shit. I didn't you know, you can just block that out if you're if you're uh if you're looking okay, at home. Well, but Ray, talk about distribution uniformity and why it would be important in an application like this. The reason why distribution uniformity becomes important is because if you are trying to optimize the site and actually minimize overall water consumption of the site, distribution uniformity becomes critical because Ryan and Lushy, here's what typically happens to me. I recalculate somebody's irrigation system to put down what I consider is an acceptable amount of water to keep the grass alive given the prevailing conditions you know keeping in mind time of year soil type uh weather conditions and type of turf what usually happens to me is when i do that and i'm no longer running the irrigation to supply an extreme excess of water distribution uniformity comes to get me because all the spots in the lawn that are light on the water die. Well, and I think the, the most important point, the thing to think about there is, you know, when you have somebody coming out to 
measure for and estimate irrigation install costs. You know, uh, see how thorough they are when they do that because you know that that little bit of difference that oh man, like hey, this guy's a thousand bucks more. You could easily save that back. The ROI of that could be very swift, if, and it could be the difference between a really shoddy, shitty, shitty and poorly installed system, right? I've Versus seen a lot of those. One. Oh, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, checking the box and saying, I have irrigation is not necessarily a place that you want to be in in life, right? right? Having a good I, I irrigation a... system is, is... Go ahead. I was just going to say, I had another customer who had irrigation, but now we're, we're working into an older irrigation system. It was a good, good company that put it in, good installation, but now we're just into an older system that uses a well that draws up fines, and she's complaining that we're burning the grass, that this isn't right, and this doesn't look good. And I'm like, I, I told the customer, I just don't think you're putting enough water. And I, I gave her a bunch of those uh, little, those little cups are very, actually, really good. And she went around and she was putting out, um, I think, a tenth of an inch after 40 minutes of running her irrigation. Oh, okay. She said, well, uh. that's too much. I can't, I can't run it that long. I said, you're not putting any water out. I don't care how long you're running. A little electricity on your pump. Um, so she went around and actually, uh, they, I said, you know, I can replace your heads. It'll be this much. I'll do it. Said, Fine. She ch changed the heads. She ran it. She sent me a picture. And after 40 minutes, she was up to a half an inch. So, yes, you know, finding finding that. that she, you know, made that difference, you know, being able to use that and give that to them to, to kind of at least get it started in the right direction. But, you know, this is good to be able to tell them what's going on a little bit more if they want to go down that road. And then I have, you know, I, I have my buddy who drives me insane, who just likes to watch sprinklers while he drinks. So he'll just turn them on at, you know, 12 o'clock at night and watch it go around because it entertains him. <laughs> so, oh, Hey, it's the little things, yeah. man. You gotta, that's right. Gotta appreciate and he's it. also the same one that asked why he has dollar spot in the middle of the summer because he's watering the hell out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think they call mm -hmm. I, I think they call that, uh, Henry disease, something like that. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. Uh, you know, I think it's an important topic. I think that NRCC site is a crucial tool, something that you can send out and try to educate, you know, clients and customers and everything like that. Um, you know, there's other good ones out there. I think the Midwest is a little bit devoid, but if you want to get real uh, technical and scientific with it is, you know, uh, setting up a weather station. There's some really good weather stations out there that are sub $1,000 that you can set up at your home and that's always good data to have right uh in terms of weather data so you can go back and look you know for your specific area uh in in terms of what's happening you no know, not only with you know temperature relative humidity wind all that kind of stuff but also with uh respect to et it could be a very very useful thing and i know all right, we were, so, there was a lot oh, of go ahead, go ahead. there was a lot of talk about that uh moisture meters yeah what do you want to talk now, about? Is that something that you, I'm just going to say, is that something you could set up at maybe a, a couple different customers and that you can pull the information from? Ab absolutely. I, I think there's, there's a huge case to be made um, on deploying them. I will share with you. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Um, let's see here. Give me a minute. Bear with me. I'm not sure what what are the other what's what are the other uh, phrases that they train you to say in IT, J Pink, while you're sitting there fiddling around looking for something on the computer. 
hit it with a hammer. Have Hold you just on. turned it on and turned it off? Yeah, have, have you unplugged it yet? Uh, all that Did kind of stuff. Did you wait 30 seconds? Did I'm you wait 30 seconds? It. Where is this thing at? I, I'll, I'll find it. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I'll find it and send it to you, but there's a, I did a good thing about, uh, a good thing on, um, man, where is that thing? It's going to kill me. I was trying to find it. But anyway, of uh, how to deploy these if you're a lawn care operator. And particularly the in-ground ones that are wireless and feed data back through a cell card back to an online portal that you can go in and look at. So where I see these being particularly useful would be, uh, you know, a, a few different situations. Number one would be high profile accounts, obviously ones that you can't mess up and that maybe you have a little bit greater control over uh, in terms of, um, you know, a little bit more than just the spraying and spraying and fertilizing and that's it, right? Uh, the other thing would be uh, seed jobs. I think it can be particularly useful mm-hmm. to stick one of these in the ground, you know, a depth of say two inches and you'll know if Mrs. Jones, right, is watering this on a, on, a, on a regular basis it's it's always on a, a consistent basis yes call it call right. it your, your your accountability friend right uh it can help <laughs> in that situation and then finally right would be um you know situations where you want to where you know that there are properties that could be trigger properties that maybe dry out a little bit quicker or stay a little bit wetter longer right to understand what some of those dynamics that might be at play in certain areas right so whether it's a certain part of town, a certain subdivision, whatever. And the nice thing about these things is you really only need like a cup cutter to take them out and put them in, right? So you know, a couple hundred bucks on a cup cutter. Uh, you know, the in-ground sensors uh, range right around, right now I want to say that they're maybe seven, 800 bucks. And then you've got, you know, it's one-time fee. And then you've got uh, like 150, 200 bucks, you know, for cell service to maintain that, you know, year over year. So Something, you know, buying a couple of those, I think, could, you know, could pay dividends just to play around with and sort of figure out where those numbers need to be. And it maybe gives you something a little bit more uh, closely aligned with uh, how to make those recommendations for customers. And you never know, it could be something that you sell to customers, right? And you can create uh, like user and parent, you know, parent and user accounts, right? So where you can always look in on what's going on, but they can also have access to it and use that to base their water decisions on too. So uh, you know, you build out a little network of that, you sell some of those, you make a little bit of money on the side and you have much better access to say, Hey, 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 hey listen, you know, I put that a print down on May 1st and I, I noticed that, uh, we didn't get any rain and you, you surely didn't water this in. So, you know, don't come at me <laughs> telling me you got grubs, right? <laughs> yeah. It, if you didn't water, just <laughs> it, it's really not, it's not that unreasonable because if you are, if you can control your irrigation, and you're not mm-hmm. overwatering and creating a problem with fungus that maybe you can mitigate out some of your fungus fungicide applications mm-hmm. so that maybe they won't need it. They might be able to, mm-hmm. s- to create that savings just right in one season without having to purchase mm-hmm. something like that. Not to say that's going to be the end all be all, but that'll be, it'll be actually be a good tool. And overall, think about this. If you can optimize irrigation during even the most stressful times, maybe mm-hmm. people aren't going to be losing their lawn in the summer and having to overseed the entire damn thing because it all dried up and burned out. You see, I Ooh. see the savings, you know? 
Mm-hmm. I see the savings of having tight control over water, diseases, uh, efficacy of your product applications like your grub control, your pre-emergent fertilizers, and then lastly, optimum amount of water so that the grass holds through summer and you're not having to renovate every single fall on the dot. You know, it, it's just kind of like it, the, the savings compound because then think about it. I know you can fix various things. Uh, worst case scenario, you overseed, but ain't got time for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, right? if, it, if it were me, if it were me, I would look at, uh, really what I would look at is buy one or two and test them out. And I think what you, you know, what you seek to prove is that for the cost of whatever you would charge to have it and monitor it, right? that people could save that money back in X number of, you know, months or years or whatever. Right. And I think that's, that's really the ultimate goal, right. Is we're trying to, you know, conserve and put down only what we need. And through doing that, it's likely and highly likely that we're going to be able to reduce the consumption of water, uh, on turf grass. Uh, I think uh, almost universally that we would be able to do that. So, uh, and hopefully you don't open up, you know, you, you make me eat my words and open up, uh, lush lawns like palm springs or something like that but i think in your area we should be pretty good so all right what else did we not cover what else do we need to cover uh i don't think we have i mean we went through a bunch of it we didn't get into the nitty-gritty of applications per round of nitrogen oh that's when you're going to come back on though and and do that this summer I mean, we just, I mean, it's only been year two and we've only gotten this far. So <laughs> we can <laughs> be happy with what you got. All right. I'm kidding. I'm hey, kidding. For my Patreon, I, it's where I got every penny out of it because I, I really do think that, you know, maybe if more people paid, that we could have maybe longer shows or maybe another show. <laughs> oh, man. Hey. Or maybe we could buy Ryan a private jet so he could, you know. <laughs> Shut up. Get people around. <laughs> How about a just get me a get me a, a Greyhound bus. That's all I need. A Greyhound bus with a John a Madden dirty, bus. Yeah, a dirty <laughs> lavatory, a dirty lavatory, and plenty of plenty of uh, hand lotion, and I'll be set. So, all right. Without further ado, we are going to enter into the after show. If you're not familiar with that, you have to become a Patreon member, right? And check us out over there. Get yourself linked up. Get on the Discord. You'll get a link that lasts for 10 minutes, 10 minutes only, and then it disappears into, well, it disappears into where the evapotranspiration goes, into the atmosphere, gone forever. Who knows where it ends up? Also, you know, quick, are you, yeah, quick shout out there from Lushy to our friend, my good friend, our good friend, Mr. Ryan Knorr. Uh, he's got a great video that's coming out next week. I can't wait for it. Golf course video. I might need that hand lotion just for that video. Now, all that being said, the uh, the after show, if you have never been to that there before, uh, a little bit of adult talk, a little bit of uh, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of humor and uh, nothing, Ray, but the truth. <laughs> so without further ado, again, Lushy, thank you so much for your hospitality this past week in person. I hope our fifth date's as good as our first four. And gentlemen, ladies, we will see you on the next one.